You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. Today, we talk to Tamara Webb, and she makes an interesting point that our brains can process many, many things on a long run. Enjoy. I am excited as always, but today I get to speak to my good friend for I actually have known Tamara for a really long time, although we were just saying we haven't seen each other face to face for quite a while, but we feel like we're in each other's lives a little bit anyway, thanks to the internet and social media and Strava and things. So Tamara Webb, welcome along to Fit Mind Fit Body. Uh, thank you so much, Michelle. It's lovely. And thank you very much for inviting me to come along to have a chat with you. And yes, I agree. It's been way, way too long since we've seen each other in person. Oh, it's crazy. It's funny, this world. It's not even like we live in a different place, but it's just how the world works right now. Um, Days, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's mad. Anyway, it is a delight to have you on. And in some ways, this podcast is helping me to reconnect with a lot of people that I haven't talked to for ages. So, uh, thanks everyone for indulging me on this <laughs> little journey of mine. Uh, it's awesome. Anyway, Tamara, let's get to know a little bit about you because I know, you know, from I know a little bit about your work history and then know a little bit obviously about your running, but I'm thinking, you know, I don't necessarily know things from way back when. So tell us, when where did you grow up? I grew up in Launceston in Riverside, yeah. born and bred in Riverside, went to Riverside Primary, Riverside High School, and ironically enough, my children did exactly the same, so I've never moved away. <laughs> wow. Look, I would, if I was thinking about a lot of the people I know, I would think you're one of the more travelled people. So even though you may have lived here, you're, you're quite a traveller. Well. I am, yeah. And, and you know, I've always... I've, when we travel overseas, I've always tried to run in lots of different countries. Oh, so yeah. I've done a run in first overseas one I did was in Chicago and it was part of the rock and roll marathon series, but we weren't going to be there for that. Thank God I didn't have to run a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the day before that they have and they have a 5K lead up event. Yeah. And it, it was just so exciting, like the amount of people there and I was like corralled and for my start and I remember they had to say you had to say what sort of time you're going to do and that depended on what corral you're going to be in that made me very nervous <laughs> but it was so much fun there were bands playing along the side and I just had a ball so that then started me off trying to do an event in countries when we traveled so okay so you don't just do the travel um you know like some people do travel what do we call it tourism runs you know, so it's not necessarily travelling to an event. but No, no, no. no. So the, um, the next one I did was, but in between when we've travelled in different countries, I've always tried to just go for a run yeah. in countries that we're at. But I do tend to get scared that I'm going to get lost and can't speak the language to get back. So <laughs> I always have to work out my route of where I'm going to go. And I always used to take out a, um, a hotel card with me so I could yeah. at least show it to somebody to get me back to the hotel. <laughs> That was all very clever. 
All right, let's go back to your childhood. Were you very sporty at school? Look, not overly. I was one of these kids that tried really hard. I, I probably a lot of people don't know this about me, but I studied ballet for seventeen years. Oh, so wow. ballet took a sort of precedence. But I've always liked sport, but I really wasn't much chop of it really. And um, I remember being so thrilled one day. I think I was probably about eight or nine, and I made reserve for the thirds of the softball team. Oh wow! <laughs> So, you know, like pretty much they just gave me a role there, I think. <laughs> and so I don't think I ever made it on the field, but I was pretty excited because I got to wear a uniform. That's Apart awesome. from that, I didn't know. I swam a bit as a kid and did a bit of netball and that, but ballet, I suppose, did more for me at that time. I suppose ballet is one of those, um, you still needed a lot of, uh, you know, that's that regular practice and having to, you had to really stick at it to me. I mean, I, don't, I didn't do ballet, but my from a distance, it seems like something you have to be quite dedicated to. Yeah, very disciplined too. It taught yeah. me great things, which has probably carried on into my life. So much discipline and, and um, well, I suppose it's helped me learn a little bit more of another language as well because obviously all the terms are in French, not that I can speak French, but you do pick up things that way. Yeah. I had a very... Um, oh, what would you say, a very strong-minded ballet teacher who yeah. had danced with the Royal Academy of Dancing and Sadler Wells, and she was like a real strict person to have as your teacher but set me up for life with life skills, I feel. Oh, wow. So why did you stop ballet? Look, I, <laughs> I got to a teenager and um, I sort of found there was other good things in life as well. Like mm -hmm. I started when I was six, so... This is really bad, but I you know, found alcohol and things like that. I remember one time when I was dancing on um, the stage at the Princess Theatre and I sort of got off there, ripped all my makeup off and my costume, went over to the Great Northern and had some drinks. So that was oh, what nice. my life revolved around. <laughs> and also, too, I think I just got it, you know, like I'd got to a stage where my skills were met like I wasn't going to be able to extend them any further and so I just sort of thought well I'll have a bit of a break then I went back for a little while and then I just gave up for good yeah so what did you do after school after school I went to in those days they called it matric mm -hmm. and I did that and I did first year matric and I sort of probably I was quite young to be there I was only just 15 and turned 16 oh, wow. obviously in January there but um it's quite young when you think about it, when you go yes. to that sort of freedom. And so for the first probably term there, I studied really hard and then just sort of got a little bit wayward, I suppose. And I remember my dad said to me that I had to go back to school unless I found a job. So I thought, damn that, I went and found a job. So I started working in a bank. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad. And so, well, I actually knew that you worked in a bank. How long did you work in the bank for? I feel like it must be a little while. Yeah, the Launceston Bank for Savings for 10 and a half years. And then I left and had my first child, Alex. So that was in 1987. And then after that, I went back and did some um, teaching at TAFE in the banking traineeship because I developed into training and development there. Excellent. And I had my second child, Ryan, and then I did a few other stints with a private training company and then went for um, worked in the Island State Credit Union and then after that, I left and went to Centrelink, as you remember. <laughs> I do. I do know that as well. Wow. So you've had, um, what do we call it, like administrative banking 
kind of roles, sitting on your bottom sort of roles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so coming from, it's interesting that you came from the ballet, then you ended, I mean, you did what most of us did, including me with, you know, I, I smoked as well at, at one point to that late teenage, early twenties. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we can all say we did those kind of things. And then, um, but then you had like quite a sedentary sort of work because it's a lot of sitting down. How did you, did you do anything at that period? When did you start running or start thinking about exercise as something you wanted to add to your life? I've done some. So I, um, like I used to walk and swim. Mm-hmm. So I used to swim just once a week with some friends and we'd walk. And once the kids were at school, some of the mums and I would go for a walk. So that's sort of how I sort of kept myself fit. Mm-hmm. But then that's sort of like um, we talk about leading into running. And that's how I got led into running, which is really funny because um, I was always one of those people, no, I'm never running. I'm never going to run. Never, ever. And some of my friends go, let's just run up here. And I go, no, I'm not running. I'm not running. Mm-hmm. Then I um, I went into the very first Launceston 10 as a walker with a friend. And we sort of like, that was in 2007, we jog walked it. And I thought, do you know what? I don't mind this running caper. <laughs> so I thought, I think next year I'll have a crack as a runner. So I went and signed up to um, Fit and Kicking and did a running course uh, to get ready for the Launceston 10 with that and I was hoping to get like I had a time in my mind of what I wanted to get and I actually exceeded that and I was just so excited and then I was hooked absolutely hooked for life now oh so what kept you going though do you think like it was it so was it the endorphins that you got like like having a goal and then getting oh absolutely the high the runners high I felt at the end of that and this will make it sound really funny because I remember when we ran, walked it, or jogged it, I would say, walked the first year. I think we did in, in an hour five or an hour six or something. And then I thought when I was trying to run, I thought I had this time of 55 minutes in my mind that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I had Chris write the times of what I had to be at the 3K, 5K and 7K on my arm. So I had those times written of what I need to do to meet that target. <laughs> I'm not really very good at math, so I couldn't work it out myself. <laughs> Even though you worked in banking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then um, I started running through and I was looking at that and I thought, hmm, I don't know. I'm sort of on target at first and then I dropped off. And I knew there was one girl that I had to keep in my sight. And I thought she was always a lot faster than me, but I thought if I keep her in my sight, I'll get there. And then I got back to the, um, the finish and Chris sang out to me, he was on the corner and he said, you're way in front of your time. So I just like well, gave it all I got. And I was just so thrilled. I mean, I was absolutely wrecked. Mm. <laughs> I'd given it all, but I was just so happy. You can't describe that happiness, can you really, when you yeah. get through something like that? Especially when you, ha- you have, um, it's like it, we said goal before, but it is like you set this thing up here and then you work out how you're going to get there. And then when you actually get there and, and the plan unfolds the way you had hoped, and even better by the sound of it for yours, you do get those sense of, you know, that achievement and endorphins and stuff we talk about that happen. Absolutely. And, you feel, and it carries on for days, I felt. I felt so good for so many days after that. And so how long after that was it that you worked out uh, your next event that you might enter? Um, look, I probably did 
Look, I, I, maybe it might be like the women's 5K or something like that. Well, that would have been a bit later. Oh, it's so long ago now, Michelle. I can't really remember. But I did keep running. I know that. I did keep running. And then I did do, I obviously did a few more launches and tens and that as well and some other smaller runs. But it just certainly kept me going. It just fed that fire inside me that I yeah. just wanted to keep doing it. So were you the kind of runner who could go, like have that goal, then just go train? Or did you end up finding yourself a group? You were talked about fit and kicking before. So did you go find like a running sort of training group, a group of friends to sort of train with as well? Yes, absolutely. And that sort of certainly continues on and gets you, um, I suppose, into a routine mm -hmm. of going and meeting with people. So I found like the running buddies. So I met with them. And I also started off with um, the running company, yeah. running group as well. Yeah. So I did that. And so I met a lot of great people through those groups as well that have become lifelong friends. And then you build up your running community, I suppose, and, mm -hmm. and stay with your people like that. And it just builds on there and you keep going. If you didn't have a goal, like an event to run for, do you find you're still running or do you always have something that you need to shoot for? No, I still keep running. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's part of my, just part of who I am now. I just keep running and I feel like I've had a few injuries along the way mm -hmm. and when you go through and you've had injuries and you can't run, all you want to do is run yeah. and you see people out running and you I know this sounds terrible, but you actually feel quite jealous of them because they can get out there and run and you can't. So, yeah, it's definitely it's in my blood now. So when did you when do you think you called yourself a runner first in your mind? Oh, uh, when I did that um, first losses and 10 when I actually ran the whole lot. I considered myself a runner then. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So we talk a little bit about identity on the podcast. So... You talked about having um, injuries. How do you deal with it when, for some reason, you can't run, even though, you know, we wrap our identity around this activity that suddenly has been taken away from you for, you know, with injury or whatever? How Not very that... well, really. <laughs> I, um, I had a really bad ankle injury when I was training again for another Launceston 10 mm -hmm. and again doing really well. And three weeks out, I sprained my ankle and chipped the bone and I was just like devastated and I remember a friend said to me on the day you're going to come out and watch the run and go no nah, didn't want anything to do with it didn't want to know about it didn't want to hear about it. didn't want to hear how, how anyone else went which is very naughty of me really but I was just devastated so I don't deal very well with injuries but I also then I think well if I can't run mm -hmm. I have to do something else so mm -hmm. Then I'll go either swimming or to the gym and do upper body strength and things like that. But then obviously I have a ridiculous personality because I go really hard at whatever I do and end up getting injured with that part of my body then. <laughs> so half expected to see you around in a, you know, like a full body cast. Yeah, don't like, laugh. It might happen yet. <laughs> no, 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 touch me. Let's, let's not do that. <laughs> no. All right. So what I hear, which is what a lot of people say when I talk to them about identity around running, um, is that they will, um, you know, keep moving in some way. They find another way to keep moving. Absolutely. There's always another way of moving. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess your identity is, um, it's not just that you're a runner, but you're someone who moves. And if you can't run for a little while, then you need to move in a way that will support your running once you can run again. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really well said, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's kind of one of those scary things. Okay, so you said that you, you do go running with friends. What does it look like, your running schedule a week? Just sort of on average, do you run more by yourself or with friends? Uh, always with groups now, okay. yeah, yeah. I did a little lot of running last year during COVID by myself, which mm-hmm. was quite good too, like, you know, well, we didn't really have a choice really down there. You only run with one other person or by yourself. But um, now I run with with groups, and I find that's really good because it gives me a commitment to go to yeah. as well. And I think that's I like structure in my life, and that adds that structure to there that I just know. So I do the ridiculous hour ones on Tuesday and Friday mornings at five thirty in the morning, and that's just it. I get up and I know that's my structure. I don't know how you do those ones. <laughs> it's just part of me now I just do it I think even if I didn't have my alarm set I'm always awake before my alarm goes and I up and go and it's ticked off for the day you set up for the day I love it it does seem like a really good idea this thing is my um my regular group training is on Tuesday and Fridays as well at nine o'clock though so I'm like well could I word of ones don't you go from there could, yeah exactly I'm like but could I do that 5 30 and then nine o'clock I don't think <laughs> that would be a hard ask <laughs> just like no that's crazy <laughs> um so when you're running then you're probably not listening to anything at least at the moment you're because you're with people usually if people don't have headphones like, hmm. yeah I still in a group though I'll still go off by myself as well okay. but mm-hmm. I used to run with music ages ago but I stopped that and now I'm happy to just run and take in the sounds and look around me and if you, you know, or chat with somebody. So mm-hmm. I'm more like that now. I don't like to run with music at all. Excellent. Um, do you like to run on the road or in the trails? What's your favourite? Ah, uh, yes, I'm not a trails person. <laughs> they scare me. <laughs> I'm a road runner. I have done trails and I can see the the enticement of it, yes. But I. Um, I'm just so scared I'm going to trip and fall, I think. Okay. I think that's my biggest thing that scares me with that. It worries you. Mm. I've had a few right. falls running on the road and in parks, so I'm obviously a little bit clumsy. Sometimes I think it hurts more when you fall on the, you know, the gravel kind of or on the road that oh, yeah. slide along. It's like, ah. <laughs> um, when you're running, what are you thinking about? I guess if you're running with someone else, that's, you know, you're probably thinking about the conversation. But as you said, you often find yourself, you're not always running next to somebody there behind you or in front of you. Um, What kind of stuff are you thinking about? Yeah, that's a hard one, actually. It's, um, I suppose I I clear my thoughts of, I clear my mind of thoughts. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I just don't know what I think about. It's a bit like with swimming when I follow that black lane line up and down the pool and I just get into my own world sometimes and sometimes I just process things things that are happening in my life and things I just sort of do a bit of self-talk about during that time and I find that's therapeutic just being present yeah Yeah. well you know when you're not really you know focusing on any one thing you're just being present in the moment which is really therapeutic I think yeah absolutely talking about thoughts you did say that um before we got on that you found that running had helped you through a particularly difficult time in your life do you want to share a bit about that absolutely Mm -hmm. so it was my 
well, it's two years ago and my mum passed away. But before she passed away, I always remember this day that she was, I was doing one of, I was training for the Great Ocean Run Half Marathon. Mm-hmm. And I was doing one of my longer runs. I was a bit nervous about it because she had not been well and she was in a home. So I had my phone with me. And I remember I was running back when the phone rang and I could see on, on my watch that it was the nursing home. I thought, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Anyway, they said they'd just given her her morphine. And I thought, hmm. They had told me that sometimes they don't last very long after they give them morphine. Yeah. So I thought, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? God, I'll have to get an Uber or something. You know, <laughs> I can't run that fast to get back. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, no, you know, you've still got, you know, quite a few hours. You'll be right. So I ran as fast as I could to get home. And I just got in the front door and I got a phone call to say that she'd gone. So obviously, you know, very traumatic time. Mm-hmm. So we went through that. And then after that, I did a lot of solo runs. So I still kept up with my training and I ran and it, through my grief, I suppose, I find found that the, the road to get to the Great Ocean Road Half Marathon was therapeutic in the way it was grief stricken, mm-hmm. but I got there and it allowed me to perhaps process that grief by myself, running by myself. If that makes sense. It does, yeah, totally, because it just gives you the space. Yes, but I do say it's very hard to run and cry at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and I had plenty of that as well. You know, sometimes I'd be there and trying to catch your breath when you're crying is very hard. <laughs> oh, you probably need to slow down a bit, like just run a little slower. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like if you cry, you get like mm. your, everything, you know, like your breath gets shorter and you, your anxiety you feel anxious and things like that so I found that that would even though I was doing that it was still very good therapy for me Mm, that's lovely um just to the other side of that can you reflect back on a time when you had a run where just everything you know was amazing like just that thought or that feeling where you know they call it the sort of runner's high but it's kind of a bit more than that where everything just flows and absolutely and you more so when I finished a run, I just feel so fantastic. And that's, it's hard to describe to someone who hasn't had that feeling. It's euphoric really, isn't it? Mm. When you think about that, you just think it's like everything aligns, isn't it? And you just feel so good and you just feel so happy with life. And I find that that's just a great thing. It's lovely to get that, that feeling. It doesn't happen as often anymore these days. <laughs> It still does. Find ways to manufacture it, make it happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, if you're not running, it's not going to happen. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. To make yeah, it happen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think I know what you're going to say to this, but on those days where you just don't feel like going, maybe the weather's horrible, you're tired because you've had a busy week or something, how do you get yourself out the door? Yeah, well, again, like if I'm meeting a group it's the Mm -hmm. commitment of meeting a group I find that's really good Mm -hmm. and sometimes I just think I say to myself you're just going to feel so much better when you go and do this Mm. and the other side is I know I'll be really cross with myself if I don't do what I've planned because I do like structure (laughs) I can tell (laughs) so in saying that it must be quite um because as I said before you you and your husband are quite travelers like one of the things that fills our um social media feeds over the years have been the awesome pictures of tomorrow and the retiree out there train um, traveling so how has the because 
that structure has been taken away from all of us, you know, with, with COVID. How's that affected you guys? Oh, it's harsh, really. Mm. <laughs> Quite harsh, especially like we had a magnificent holiday planned last year, European holiday, which obviously mm. is cancelled. And this year we were going to Alaska and Canada and the US. That was all planned as well. So, oh, that's been cancelled. Yeah. So we've just taken and looking at um, travelling around Tasmania, actually, <laughs> these days, not even to the mainland. So we've just wow. staying in our own beautiful state and doing some nice little runs around places I haven't been yeah. before here as well. So you're finding that you are exploring those places on foot a fair bit as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we actually even gone and bought hiking boots and mountain bikes, so. Whoa. Not <laughs> <Up> more. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll all open up soon and you'll be able to get back out into the world and explore it more. Fingers crossed, hey. Mm, yeah, for all of us. How long do you think you'll run for? I I don't really envisage myself stopping. Yeah. I um unless it comes to like injuries and things like mm -hmm. that. Because mm -hmm. I suppose there's another thing that you probably don't really know about me either. That when I was in my very early thirties, I had a life threatening illness. So I did not know. That. I, I was in hospital for a month and in intensive care for a week. So oh, wow. I think that brought perspective back onto how much mm -hmm. you value your health and exercise is a big part of that as well. And yeah. when that is taken away from you for that amount of time, it's very hard. So I remember when I came out of hospital, I was so weak, I could hardly walk. Oh. And I remember a girlfriend came and took me to the beach one day and walked on the beach. I thought, oh my God, I just couldn't believe. I didn't think I was ever going to get to do that again. So mm. When you've been through, um, I suppose it's like a life-changing experience like that, you value your health a lot more. So I've probably become a little bit selfish about that, my own exercise routine, mm -hmm. and that's probably why I am so structured with it too these days. You, um, you're not working anymore, are you? You're retired, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... That's an interesting, like you're talking about structure. So you go from the structure of work where you would have had to fit running and training in around, whereas now you're from a distance, you should have an unstructured life where now you put you, how does that work in your life? I'm still very structured. <laughs> I am still so structured, Michelle. It must be part of my personality. I still like I have my routine. Yep. That's what I do. So I do like... I do yoga twice a week, I run twice a week, I swim and I do a boot camp session once a week. So so what happens in those hours where you used to work? <laughs> well, I'll probably spread out the, the times that I, I exercise now, put that into that. And yeah. then obviously I'll catch up with friends and yeah. coffee and try and meet my husband around and have some coffee and meet up with him sometimes too because he doesn't get to see me very often these days either. Because <laughs> you're both retired, so why would you be in each other's laps obviously <laughs> it certainly has changed and we do have a little granddaughter now so I get to spend some time oh, yeah. with her which is lovely congratulations yeah. thank you that. that's so exciting. that's a nice joy as well yeah so you couldn't fit work in now even if you wanted to you're so busy absolutely not there's no room for that anymore <laughs> amazing how many people who retire say that They're like I don't know how I ever fit in work in oh it's crazy <laughs> it is all right so let tell me Tamara if you didn't run 
well, actually, it's probably better to ask it this way. What do you think running has given your life so that if you didn't run, you wouldn't have that in your life at all? That's a really good question. Hmm. I think, um, well, obviously, there's part of it is fitness. Mm -hmm. So you get a certain amount of fitness from that for sure and Mm -hmm. overall health. Um, But mentally too, I think it just gives you the ability to to go and do something that certainly doesn't even cost money to do mm. and free your mind. Yeah. I think that's how I'd describe it. Yeah. So without without it in your life, then those things would be more challenging to acquire, I suppose, or to have. Absolutely. Mm. And, and like when you talk about um, like the mental health side of it, you know, it allows you to process things that may be going on in your life. For me, it does anyway, and mm-hmm. I can work through those things on a long run. Because as we all know, a long run, you're out there for a long time by yourself with just your thoughts sometimes, aren't you? Totally. So you can process a lot of things during that time. You sure can. So talking about processing, this is something we've touched on a bit in the podcast, and you said that you run with your friends quite a bit. Yeah. Um, do you find that it's a time that you all chat about things that are going on in your lives as a, as like a sounding board type? Thing? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great way. We can solve the world. I reckon when we do, that. <laughs> you know, you just you chat about things and that's therapeutic within its way. Sometimes just verbalizing things with yeah. a friend or friends, you know, and you chat through them and that it just, that, Things just don't seem so major once you've done that. Mm. There's a, a lot of people talk about how the friends that they've made through running tend to be at a different kind of level than a lot of the other friends that you might have because you tend to do that. You tend to, a lot of the chatting that you do is, we say the minutiae of life, but it's kind of like they're journeying together with you, not just on that run, but in your life. It's kind of. And you become a lot closer to them yeah. too. Like I'm very close with my running friends and and we do, we go through these, we go through each other's highs and lows and you, you're a sounding board, like you said, for someone or they're a sounding board for you and, you know, you throw some things around and someone might come up with a suggestion and just having someone to listen to you sometimes is just really nice, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it is fascinating really. Oh, I love it. Anyway, um, I want to talk a little bit more before I... Um, finish up about your overseas I guess because we're all so lacking of <laughs> like let's live vicariously through Tamara's wonderful travels <laughs> so, what, what would have been your favorite uh, race overseas and your favorite just out training jog overseas oh okay so my favorite race overseas would be the Chicago one yeah because that was just so much fun. And it was a shorter distance. It was 5K. So that was really good. Yeah. Worst one was probably Singapore because that was so hot and that was 10Ks. And that was just like, actually, now that's a bit, if you've got time, I can tell yeah. you a story about that. We're not going anywhere. We're here. <laughs> the Singapore one was one of those ones that was just like, oh, my God. So <laughs> we were staying at this beautiful hotel in Singapore, the Marina Bay Sands. And mm-hmm. so we had to get a taxi to the start line and I was doing a run called, uh, it was Run the Bays, Bay of Gardens, that's it, Bay Mm -hmm. of Gardens Run. And so 
I had to get, I think I left the hotel about half past five to get to the start line and we're in the taxi. So I'm there with all my, well, we all had yellow tops on because that was part of this, it's the Transcend finish, uh, series. So we're in the taxi and I've got my bib on feeling pretty proud, going ready for my, my run. And we're driving around, I reckon, for 20, 25 minutes. Driver says, I don't know where it is. I don't know where to go. Oh, no. God. I said, well, take me back to the hotel. And Chris was with me. So we go back, get another taxi. And by this time, I was starting to get a bit antsy about the start line. I thought, oh, my God, I've told everybody in the world I'm doing this run, this 10K run in Singapore. I'm not even going to make it to the start line. So we get in the second taxi. He goes, yep, yep, I know exactly where that is. And starts going and then get about 10 minutes in. He hits his head and goes, oh, my God. And I go, what? He said, I've taken the wrong turn. Oh, no, No. here we go again. He said, you're just going for a run, eh? And I go, race. See, got a bib on. Bib on here, round here. (laughs) Got to go for a race. He goes, oh, yeah, you'll be right going for a run. I go, no, race. It's in a race. It's in a race. (laughs) Anyway. Long story short, we get there and I could see people with other yellow tops walking to the start line. So I got there and I was happy and I was able to do that run. Mm -hmm. Then it was the hottest run I've ever run in in my life. It was like I think my start time was 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, It was already like about 78% humidity and it was in the 30s. So by the time I got back to the hotel, I got out of the taxi and I seriously looked like someone had just tipped a bucket of water over me. I was that sweaty. And I had to walk through this beautiful hotel, <laughs> looking like that. Got up to our room. The poor cleaner was in there. And I said to Chris, I said, you got to tell him to get out. He's got to get out. I just have to have a shower. And normally I'd be very patient and very nice and just say, that's all right. I said, no, get out. <laughs> this poor person, he got out and he was, he, I mean, I think he probably thought he was in trouble. And I said, look, it's not you. I just need to have a shower. So that was probably the worst race that I've oh. ever had. It's just oh. so hot. But other places that I've run in, well, Denmark was hard because that was a lot of very, lots of cobblestones. So I found that hard. Cobblestones. Yeah. Mm. Probably London. I ran around Hyde Park and I think that was probably my favourite because I knew I couldn't get lost there and I could speak the language. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no cobblestones, I don't think. <laughs> exactly. And it was a nice scenery running through Hyde Park too. Oh. So that was lovely. But a lot of places like Germany and Germany and Spain. I'm trying to think where actually I tried to go down a few of where I've run so that I could remember them. Yeah, Venice, Venice, Venice was very hard to run in because I was, was terrified it? I was going to get lost there. So I just ran up and down outside our hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you think you'd get lost? Was it just the way the roads are? Or the... Well, in Venice, that's sort of like they all loop round and go. Okay. It's just like intersections everywhere. So I was very scared about that. I've run on cruise ships too. And that's really weird. So you just do laps and laps of a cruise ship. How, how far is one lap around a cruise ship? Probably about, one was about 500 metres, the other one was about 250 metres. So I've run in the Caribbean on a cruise ship, I've run the Mediterranean on a cruise ship, I've run in Asia on a cruise ship. I know I'm nuts, aren't I? Because <laughs> <laughs> do they have treadmills? <laughs> I know. But I wanted to be outside, you see. I don't like running inside on a treadmill. I did try the treadmill, but I found it better to be outside. <laughs> I totally understand that. I always kind of feel a bit, I don't know if smug's the right word, but I don't, you know, if you run past a gym and you see lots of people running inside and you're like, why are you doing that in there when you could just be out here doing that? Yeah, I just find it so much harder on a treadmill. 
like full kudos to people who can do it. I just, and I, people do long distance on a treadmill. I just don't know how they do it. I mean, all of them. Actually, I was talking to a friend the other day when we had that really bad weather day and she said, I'm just going to do, get on the treadmill because I, it's just a horrible day. Anyway, she did, but she wanted to do maybe 15 that day and she could only manage five on the treadmill because it was just so. You know, it's like on a treadmill, you think, don't look at the time, don't look at the time, don't look at the time. You go, oh my God, it's only a minute gone. No. <laughs> All right, Tamara, is there anything about running in particular that we haven't talked about that you would like to share? I don't think there is actually. I think we've probably covered it all. I mean, I suppose one thing is that I find that works for me is to do a mixture of things to, especially yeah. as I'm getting older, like to maintain my body and to be less injury prone. So I do yoga now as well and some cross training and some swimming. And I think that works rather than just, I probably don't run as much as I used mm -hmm. to injury wise I just find my body just can't take it I had yeah. a really bad hamstring injury last year and mm -hmm. it's taken a while to come back from that and Achilles one but so I find to me to actually mix it up and do some cross training as well really helps yeah. um what do your kids think about your running oh, I don't really think a lot actually <laughs> How old were they when you started running, you know, all the time? Um, yeah, they were teenage years, I think. Mm. So my eldest son, he always ran. So yeah. I remember watching him and taking him to athletics and watching him run and being coached and that. So mm -hmm. maybe trying to pick up a few pointers. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I assume they're proud of me. They should be, shouldn't they? I'm sure they're proud of you. <laughs> So we do talk about, um, you know, uh, sometimes, especially if you start running, even when your kids are younger, but teenagers as well, that's actually an example for them that when they become adults, you know, they don't have to stop sport or they, you know, they can run and do other things as well, um, exercise wise, because a lot of, well, some families you don't see so much, the adults tend to give up their endeavors in sport for the kid and then just look after the kids while they do their sport. Um, so I think there is an element of, you know, providing an example for your kids, which I think is really important. Sure, for sure. And like my two children are like polar opposites. One was always really interested in sport and he ran and played a lot of sport. The other one, not so, he was more musical. So, okay. and he did a bit of sport. So yeah. Things are all different, but, you know, they've both always kept active. So mm. that's a nice thing to see. It is, especially in this day and age. <laughs> when you think about computers that we're sitting in front of now and our children just spend so much time in front of devices and computers. Free world in that way, isn't it? Yeah, mm, it is. Okay. So um, if somebody came to you, Tamara, and said, I want to start running, mm -hmm. what would you suggest to them? to get them started and keep them going? Right. I would suggest that they start off and do uh, perhaps a program, like maybe mm -hmm. if they're going to start and do like I think there's couch to um, 5K, yep. one where they sort of walk, run to build them up. I think mm -hmm. that's a really good way. And I'd also suggest that they join a group yeah. and get the motivation and the support from that group. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, to keep going. I love that. That's really good. That couch to 5K and couch to 10K really stormed the world and, and created these whole bunch of new runners, made it more accessible. It's been great. So many people have done it and I've yeah. you know, spoken to them about it and I thought, what a great way of doing it. It's really awesome. I love it. But just being able to run a kilometre is so hard nonstop, isn't it, when you first start? You think, how am I ever going to do it? Mm, mm. Just the breathing is is challenging, I find. When you, even when you had uh, been had to not run for a couple of weeks for some reason, and then you get back to it, it's like just that breathing. It's like ah, oh. get nervous. I've lost all my fitness yeah. when that happens. <laughs> Comes back pretty quick though. It, it does, thankfully. All right, Tamara, it has been a delight to hear a bit more about your running journey and you. Uh, very inspirational. Um, how old are you? Am I, am I allowed to ask that question? Wow, I'm 61. 61 and amazingly fit and continuing to run the circles around the rest of us. I think it's awesome. So Mind. <laughs> thank you for joining us on Fit Mind, Fit Body. Stay on and I'll say goodbye off the recording as well. But thank you for sharing a little bit of your goodness with us. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been an absolute joy to see you again. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.